reminds us of how important what we're about to do is we're to consider God's word. And so we have the summons is taken from, uh, from Isaiah chapter 40. You see it in your bulletin. And it uses, uses the language, doesn't it, kids? It uses the, the metaphor of grass. Um, I don't know if you know much about grass, but grass doesn't last very long. It lasts for a little bit, and then it's gone. Gone forever. And it's like the flower, the feed, the thing of the flowers of the field. The flowers come, but then they go. Right? They go, oh, those are neat flowers. And a week or two later, they're gone. And what, what Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah does here is he says, you know what? People are like flowers and grass. And all of their commitments, all of their, all of the, they say that they care, they say that they will always be here, that they will remain faithful, that they say they're committed, but you know what? So often they're just not. Most of life, it's all about, it's a transaction, right? It's just, I'll, I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back. But people just don't stick around. And all that they say doesn't, they don't, often don't mean it. Often people make promises and, and they don't keep them. And their word is just, is actually very, just doesn't carry much weight at all. It's not important. We don't really believe them. But in contrast to that, we have God's word. And God's word is the opposite of the flowers, the opposite of grass. It stays forever. Isaiah says it endures forever. We'll always be here. Think about that. Kids, listen to this. Do you know that there are people all over the world in so many different languages, in so many different places, and do you know what they're all doing? They're all reading God's word. They're all listening to the word of God preached just like we are. Isn't that an amazing thing? Because the word of God endures. In fact, Isaiah wrote these words probably right around 2,800 years ago. Isn't that incredible? It's more than more two and a half millennia ago he wrote these words. And here we are today. Here we are. None of, I don't think any of us are we're of the same ethnicity. We're of the same geography. We're even on the same continent. And here we are listening to God's word this morning. So listen to Isaiah chapter 40, the summons to the word. The prophet says, all people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Well, you know, kids, we've been, uh, on Sunday mornings, the last two Sunday mornings, we've been going through a series about uh, looking at what we do every day, the things that we do every day. Think of the things that you have to do every day. The first thing is, what do you have to do in the, in the morning? You have to wake up, right? So we talked about that last week. We talked about waking up. And how do you wake up? We wake up and we see the sun. We see the, the light that's coming. The sun is rising like it does every day. Have you ever woken up and the sun didn't rise? No, every single day it rises. Unless it's clouds or something, unless it's kind of whatever. But you know what? The sun is behind them. We still know it's there. Isn't that amazing? And we learn that in the Bible, God, that, that in the Bible, we see how again and again the notion of light, the notion of the darkness giving way to the light, is a way of thinking about where the world is going. That no matter how dark things are, that in fact light will come. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And so we said last week, Paul tells us, he says, keep on loving because the light is coming. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes loving others can be so hard. We talked about what it looks like to love others. And parents, I just want to encourage you, I would so encourage you to listen to that sermon again. There were seven ways I talked about loving. Seven simple ways. And talking to your kids about those seven things can really put meat on the bones of what it looks like to love others. Sometimes you're like, love, what does, that, what does that mean? What does that look like? It becomes almost a, a, a meaningless word. 
And that's why I wanted to take took some time in the sermon last week to list those seven things, those seven ways. There are more, but I just wanted to give you seven ways that we can love others. So again, it's worth thinking about discussing those things with your kids. But so last week we said, we talked about waking up, and we said, you know what? Waking up in the Bible is all about the idea of hope, of being able to say, you know what? I'm going to keep on loving because the light is coming. And that's what we're to say every morning. Wake up this past week, wake up, and from here on out, we look at the sun, we look at the rising, the rising sun, and we, we, we see how the darkness is giving way to the light. And so we are to keep on loving. Well, this morning, we're talking about something else that we do every day. Well, we should do every day. <laughs> that's having, taking a bath, right? Whether it's a bath or a shower. And this morning, I'm going to look at Luke chapter 3. And Luke chapter 3 is a wonderful, wonderful story. In fact, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, actually. We have a story where, um, I'll explain it in a second. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Or I'm going to tell you a story have you ever been, um, like maybe it's you're outside playing, or maybe uh, you, um, you, you've uh, been, uh, I don't know, maybe wrestling with uh, your friends or playing sports or something like that, and you, you come in at the end of the day, and uh, someone says, man, you kind of smell. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. That's happened to me, though. It really has. In fact, one day, I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story. I was, you know, I, one of the things I love to do with my daughter, Julianne, we love to wrestle. And we were wrestling back and forth, and she pinned me down a few times, and I pinned her down a few times, and it was intense. And then she stopped, and she said, Dad, you don't smell very good. <laughs> and she was right. I think I had been to the gym earlier, and we won't go into the details or whatever. But she was right, but guess what? I was surprised. At first, I was like, I don't smell bad. Have you heard that before? We think, I don't smell bad at all. I'm fine. But others are like, yes, you do. <laughs> right? So who's right? Who's right? Or let me change not just smelly bodies, but listen to this. Have you ever had someone say to you, your breath smells? You ever had that happen to you? You ever smelled someone's breath? You're like, oh, man, that's so bad. And you tell the person, hey, look, your breath isn't very good. It's bad. And of course, what, is the, what, do, we, what do we say? When someone tells us that, they're like, oh, I think it smells fine to me. I think it's just fine. I don't know what you're talking about. My breath is fine. There must be something wrong with you. Right? See, so often we don't realize that we smell. We don't realize that we're dirty. We don't realize that actually we ourselves need a bath. And that's exactly where, where, uh, where our story picks up in Luke chapter 3. This is a really neat part of the story. This is in the Gospels. It's telling about how Jesus came to be uh, the Messiah, to be Israel's Savior. And there was someone who came before Jesus to get everyone ready to receive Jesus. And his name was John, John the Baptist. And he was a prophet. And he came probably in the late 20s AD. We don't quite know for sure, but Luke locates him. If you look in Luke chapter 3, Luke is very clear about explaining who was in charge, who were the Roman uh, governors, and who was the emperor in charge at that time. And, so, and God's people, they weren't ruling themselves. They were actually being ruled by a foreign power. So you could tell that things weren't, weren't very good in, in Israel. 
And not only that, they had, uh, not only did they have bad princes, but they had bad priests. And John mentioned those, those priests. And those priests, they were not good people at all. God's people were being very rebellious. And so God, here God wanted to send his Savior, and guess what? No one was ready to receive him. And so God sent a man named John. And you know what John said to everybody? He said, You all stink. That's what he said. He said, You all need a bath. Isn't that interesting? In fact, that word, he actually said, all of you need to be baptized. But you know what baptized means? It just simply means to wash someone. It means to cleanse. You need to be cleansed. And this is what's even more interesting. It's more interesting that John called them names. You ever call anyone names? We're not really supposed to do that. But in this particular situation, it was important. He said, it was true. He said, you bunch of snakes. Why would he call them snakes? That's interesting. You know why he does it? He calls them a snake, or he calls them a brood of vipers. Do you know why he listened to this? And he's talking, guess who he's talking to? He's talking to God's people, or people who say they're God's people, people who pretend to be God's people. He calls them snakes. You ever seen a snake? Raise your hand if you've seen a snake before. Right? You ever seen a snake? See, snakes, it's very often very difficult to tell where snakes are going. You ever noticed that? It's like, whoa, where, where's a snake going? Because they slither around, and it just seems like really strange. Like their movements are weird, and you can't tell where they're going. You don't really know where, what their objective is. You don't know their aim. You don't know what they're really about. That's important. See, John said to God's people, he says, I don't really know where you're going. I don't really know what you're about. I look at your actions. Sometimes you're going this way. Sometimes you're going that way. You're not really committed to anything. You're not really going anywhere. You're not really, all, you're not all in. You don't, you don't really want to obey. You're just pretending all the time. And so he calls them snakes. You know what? Listen to this, kids. This is very important. If you continue in the church and you grow up, you will see that there are a lot of people in church, a lot of adults in church, they just pretend to be Christians. They call themselves Christians, but they're like snakes. They just, they just, they just do whatever they want to whenever they want to. They're not real. They're not real Christians. And John calls them out. He says, look it, you're a snake, and you're dirty, you're smelly, and you need a bath. Now, I want you to stop and think about that, kids. Look at your own life and say, wait a minute. Do I really believe in Jesus? Do I really want to follow him? Do, do I really think that he knows what's best and I don't? Do I really, do I really understand that, that if I get my way, it's going to be a disaster? So I want to follow God's way. I want to listen to him. Am I the kind of person who can actually not smell my bad breath or maybe smell when I'm, you know, smell myself when I'm stinky, but can I smell my own sin? Can I go, wow, what I just did, that was terrible. And I need to say I'm sorry. I need a bath. I need to be cleansed. And so John did that. John called out all, the, all, all of God's people, the God's pretend people, and he said, all of you right now, you need a bath. And sure, sure enough, they came out to the Jordan River and he would baptize them and they would, they, would, they would confess their sins. And guess what? They would receive forgiveness. 
And all of the people were like, wow, John is amazing. You know why they thought John was amazing? Because John wasn't scared to tell the truth. Do you know a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers, they're scared to tell the truth. They won't actually say what is true. How many of you kids know the story of the emperor who has no clothes on? You know that story? Right? Do you remember that there was, everyone pretended like the emperor had clothes on, right? And, and who was it that actually said, hey, he's got no clothes on? It was whom? It was a little kid, right? It was a little kid who said, wait a minute, the emperor's got no clothes on. It was a little kid who was the only one who could tell the truth. Because often princes and politicians and, and people and adults and stuff like that, they don't, they, they pretend. They pretend to be someone they're not. And they admired John because here was John out in the wilderness. He was poor. He had, he had really, he didn't have cool clothes. He didn't have like really nice food. He was out in the wilderness, outside of the city. Why? You know why he was outside the city? Not because he liked rural areas or something like that. He was outside the city because Jerusalem was unclean. It was dirty. God's people were dirty. The temple the sacrifices, all of it was tainted because everyone was disobeying God. And so he removed himself out in the wilderness to say, look, I'm not going to be associated with that. That's not okay. And he told the truth. He said hard things. Everyone needs to say they're sorry because we're all stinky. That's what he said. And people, some of them did, some people didn't like it, but many people were like, you know what? John's right. And so they all began to wonder, hmm, we've all read the Bible, and we know that God is going to send, send a special Savior someday, and maybe this is the special Savior. Maybe this is the one that we've all been waiting for. And they said, John, are, are you the Messiah? And he said, no, I am not the Messiah. But there's one coming after me, and he is so amazing, so incredible, so strong, so wise, so welcoming, that I'm not even worthy to, un to, to tie his sandals. I can't even be a lowly servant in front of him because he's so amazing, so incredible. And he said this, and that one is coming. He's so great. And he is coming, and, and understand this, you snakes. He will reveal who you really are. He will show everyone what they're really about. It's amazing. And everyone, they heard that, and they, 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 were, they felt so sorry. And they were like, oh, we, we've disobeyed God. We, we need a bath, and what do we do now? And several different people came to him. Soldiers came to him, came to John the Baptist, and they said, um, and they said, what should we do? And he said, be good soldiers. Be good police officers. And then some tax collectors came to him and said, well, what do we do? And he said, he said collect the taxes, but only just enough. Don't, don't, don't do your job in a bad way. Be very careful. Be the kind of businessman that is just and right and honorable with integrity. Do the right thing. And others came and said, what should we do? Now listen, this is really important for you kids. He said, if you really are sorry, don't just say you're sorry. Show you're sorry. And you know one of the most powerful ways of showing your sorry is? By sharing. That's what John says. He says, he who has two cloaks should give one of them to the one who has no cloak. The one who has food should give to the one who doesn't have food. They should be sharers. 
Because when we realize that God has been so kind to us, when he's forgiven us, and he has given us something that we don't deserve, we, we can show that we're sorry. We can show that we're forgiven by sharing. Do you hear that? Think about it. I want you guys to think about it. Is there a certain way this week that you can share? Share something with someone else. Someone who may need something or someone who may like a gift and they may like something. You've got a, a toy that you know someone else would really like and you can share that toy. Is there a certain, that's what John is saying. He's saying, Shh, don't just say you're sorry. Show you're sorry by sharing. By sharing. He calls, so John calls all of us to give, to, uh, to, to take a bath. He says, wake up and realize that we are all stinky, that we all have sinned, that we are all dirty, and that we all need a bath. That's what we see. I know some number of you have maybe seen baptisms here at Good Shepherd. In fact, just in a few, I don't know, about a month, month and a half or so, we're not quite sure when, my youngest son, Harrison, he's going to be baptized. And what baptism is, it's just a wonderful symbolic thing where basically all we, we do, we put some water on the baby, on Harrison, to show the idea of cleansing, that God cleanses us of our sin. That when Jesus died on the cross, his blood atones for all our sins. Remember what I said earlier? I said that Jesus said what? I will die instead. Listen, kids. When you get on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. I want to follow Jesus. Jesus, you died for my sins. Will you forgive me? Did you know that when you do that, all of your sins, the sins you did when you were one and two and three and four and five and six, and even the sins that you will do when you're 71, two, three, four, five, and six. All of those sins. Listen, adults. Listen, grandparents. When Jesus died on the cross, he washed away all of your sins. Isn't that an amazing thing? Every single last one of them, they're all cleansed. They're all washed away. That's the gospel. What a beautiful, beautiful message. But in order to do that, we have to first admit that we are in need of a bath. (laughs) We really are in need of a bath. And to name those sins, to name them to to the Lord and to name them to others, to those whom we've wronged, and say, this is what I've done. It's wrong. I have hurt you. And that is the hardest, easiest thing to do in the world, to admit that we need a bath. So listen, um, that's that's the gospel. Are you going to live your life pretending that you're not stinky? That you don't have bad breath? That the problem isn't you? That everyone else has a problem? Or are we going to live our lives saying, you know what, I'm the problem, it's me. I need a bath. And I know Jesus can cleanse me. Because that's a wonderful, wonderful way to live. It's an honest way to live. It's a sincere way to live. Well, let me, let, me, let me close with this. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever had a, like a favorite piece of clothing, a favorite shirt, or favorite dress, perhaps, and then something really unfortunate happens. You spill something on it. Maybe it's something like, a, like, like blueberries or something that's really strong. It's maybe 
uh, something red or maybe it's uh, maybe some Kool-Aid or something like that. And you, you get it on, you think, oh, this is my favorite, my favorite dress, my favorite shirt. And you, 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 maybe your mom, your dad, you, you, you give it to them and they look at it and they think, I don't know if we can get this out. But then maybe you, there's some like special sort of really heavy-duty cleansing stuff and you, you let it soak and it just sits there. What's it called when you can't get something out? When, it, when you get that in there, what's that called? You kids know what that's called? A stain. A stain. And that's what our sin is like. Once we sin, there's no getting it out. There's no undoing it. There's no way to somehow reverse or go back in time to undo it. But Jesus' blood is what truly cleanses us. It can remove even the deepest sins, even the deepest things. And that is our hope. That is our hope. As, we look, as, we, as you kids, as you look to the future, I want you to know this, that you will sin sometimes in really big ways, but Jesus will be there to remove the stains. We just have to admit that we indeed have sinned, that we indeed have gotten our clothes dirty. So with that, we're going to read these words of exhortation to faithfulness. Now let me just say this. So kids, listen, when you are taking a bath, probably every day, most of you, or maybe whatever, once a week, whatever it is in your household, <laughs> when you are taking a bath, I want you to remember, this is so important, parents, in that time, a ritual time, you're just getting into the shower, it's very automatic, I understand. But stop for a moment. Look at that water. Feel that water and say, you know what? I am cleansed. I am washed. I am stainless in the sight of God. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, and he washed it white as snow. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a joy to know that we indeed have been washed free. But Lord, how, who of us here is ready and willing to admit that we are dirty, that we have sinned? Father, apart from your Holy Spirit, apart from sending your, your truth-enabling Holy Spirit, Father, we will live a lie. We will pretend that we are not dirty. We will pretend that we do not have bad breath. We will pretend that our clothes are not stained, that we can get, we can, we can get out the stain. We can fix it. We can manage our sin. Father, what a lie. Father, please free us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one who would want us to believe that lie. Father, please, every morning, every evening, whenever it is, during bath time, during shower, Lord, help us to remember the cleansing water, the cleansing blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you indeed are a God who, to whom we can return again and again to be cleansed, to be consecrated, so that we indeed might serve you faithfully. Thank you, Jesus, that you indeed at that came to John and were baptized by him in the Jordan, consecrating, setting him apart, identifying with the sin of God's people, that you came and that you were faithful. You were faithful to the very end, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you indeed have paid it all. We pray in your name. Amen.